Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Oh my god, that's gross. Corey Feldman does not know how to eat a freaking pizza pizza. Completely changed the face of everything. It's very unique. I will give it that. Oh, thanks, man. I don't want to embarrass myself. Should I embarrass myself? No, that's... Please, no. Oh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I am embarrassed. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences, whether it be because of a more popular film came out at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps what we don't love about it, and decide whether the movie is worth a revisit. If you enjoyed our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. So before we talk about this week's movie, let's talk about ourselves. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. Why don't you go first? All right. Uh, I'm Mike Butler. I'm an actor and writer based on the East Coast. Uh, I've written a couple of scripts. I've acted in web series, short films, um, plays in and around New York City. And for my day job, I am a movie theater manager. As am I. Mike and I both work at the same uh, unnamed movie theater where we enjoy various excursions with employees and... Patrons, I guess. I was going to say guests, but patrons. <laughs> uh, I'm also a uh, writer-director. I haven't actually directed something in quite some time, so I probably would. it's probably more accurate to say I'm a writer. Uh, I have two books out right now. Uh, they're part of the Adam Parker Mystery Series. You can find them on Amazon uh, through ebook or paperback. I, Mike and I were just recently discussing a, a play that I had just written that we're hoping to at least see to come to fruition at one point called May 19th, 1999. I'm just going to leave it at that. You can probably figure out what it's about. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's, and, and I do podcasts with Mike. I, I do podcasts as well. Mike does a lot of podcasts, yeah. but we'll get to that <laughs> later in the plug hour. <laughs> so before we... Talk about our movie. Actually, no. I mean, I was going to give the spoiler disclaimer, but why don't you introduce our movie? All right. So today we are talking about the 1983 film Star Chamber, starring Michael Douglas. Uh, the film is a, I guess you could call it a thriller, kind of a crime, crime drama crime thriller, thriller kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. They are the most powerful members of our community. Uh, I don't know what they're doing up there. I'll tell you the truth, I, I don't want to know. They meet at night behind closed doors. This case of People versus Lawrence Monk and Arthur Coombs is dismissed. The defendants are hereby released. They have a shattering secret. Right now you're pure. Once you hear what I'm going to say, you'll lose that forever. The answer is in here somewhere. It always is. Do you think they're just going to sit around and let you blow them away? Do you? They can't. Somebody is trying to kill you. If you'd listen to me, you'd find out the reasons. Because I'm, I'm going to expose all the politics. A secret that will affect us all. This is very important. Who are these guys? I want to give them to you. Because I swear to God, I didn't know what was going down. The Star Chamber. On August 5th, 
you'll know who they really are. Why don't you tell them what it's about? All right. So in Star Chamber, Michael Douglas plays a judge, Stephen Harden, who is a little tired of the system. The system seems he has to make all these decisions because he is a judge. He has to be impartial. And doing that causes a couple of criminals to get away with murder. And Well, because of legal loopholes. Because of legal loopholes and things like that. Um, he has to throw away evidence that would otherwise put these people away because um, it's inadmissible. So... With him starting to become more down on the law, he gets a invitation from his friend Benjamin Caulfield, played by Hal Holbrook, to join the Star Chamber, which is a collection of judges who look back on cases where the criminals, or supposed criminals, have gotten away with a myriad of different crimes, usually murder. It's yeah, they, they, they've used the legal opals yeah. and have gotten away with it, yeah. So they decide themselves, this group of nine, who's guilty, who's not, and they get an assassin to go and take these criminals out. It's very vigilante justice type, uh, which was very popular uh, in the early 80s. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, Judge Harden has a case where two criminals have supposedly, thinking they have gotten away with murder of a child, and then they murder another child, he puts them up for assassination for the Star Chamber. The Star Chamber agrees... And then Michael Douglas, his character, his uh, Judge Harden, finds out they didn't actually commit the murder and has to go try to stop this assassin after he's told once it's in motion, the assassination can't be stopped. Right. It's basic. It's talking about vigilante justice, whether that is justified, you know, whether you should, uh, you know, ignore the, the, the law of the land and right. take justice in your own hands, whether, you know, the benefits, if there are any, and the, 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 not, the, the benefits that are not existent for that. The, the whole film seems to try to teach us that the law isn't perfect, but it's there for a reason, and that these loopholes and, and these, these that the, just, the impartialness of the justice system and judges is there for a reason, um, and it's to stop things like this from happening. Right. So before we go into all the facts and our viewing notes and, and whatnot. Why don't we just give the disclaimer, which I was trying to do before, so, but I just ignored the format. <laughs> uh, so if you have not seen The Star Chamber, uh, stop right now. Go find it on... I got it on Amazon Prime. I got uh, it on Xbox. Did you really? Yeah. yeah. I know, I know. like, there was some issue with trying to watch this movie this time around because my unnamed cable provider, I had access to Cinemax, but then it was gone like the next day. So I had to, I basically had to buy it off Amazon Prime. So it's out there. Um, I know if you wanted to rent the DVD, it's like $50 because it's just not in print. So it's, it's an, it's an, obviously it's an older movie, which, you know, is probably perfect for this podcast, why it was forgotten. So stop now, go watch it and then come back and then listen to the rest of this. We'll wait. We always wait. Are you back? Hey, how you doing? Glad right. you watched it. It's only an hour and uh, 49 minutes. All right, so I, I guess I'm the one that does the production facts here, which, you know, you need to start doing. But anyways. Maybe in the next 10. Okay. <laughs> so this movie was released, as Mike said, in 1983. It was actually released on August 5th, 1983, uh, the same day as Risky Business. So this was going to be a – this was 20th Century Fox's uh, big summer movie that year. And I'm about to tell you why. This is probably the biggest reason why this movie was forgotten. Because this movie came out either a couple days or three, or a couple a week or two weeks or three weeks of the following movies that I'm about to list off. And it probably got sucked up in this wake. So the week before it came out, 
uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. That's the first one. Jaws 3D. Now, whether you like Jaws 3D or not, Jaws 3D is is the third movie in the Jaws trilogy, or the Jaws Jaws series. So it's gonna be big. Some movie called Return of the Jedi. Crawl. <laughs> Crawl, Trading Places, War Games, Octopussy, and Flashdance. So it was a big summer, exactly. So a lot of these movies you've probably seen like ten or nine or ten times already. Uh, so they're popular. So there's a reason why, you know, the, a movie like Star Chamber. And as we get into it, this the movie. This movie is not a summer movie. No, it, it should not have been. It should not have come out in the summer. And actually, 20th Century Fox. I have this in my notes, but I'll just really we'll talk about it now. This movie came out. It did not do well. They pulled it, and then they went wide with Mr. Mom because Mr. Mom came out in July of that year, limited. Back then, back in the 80s and probably some of the 90s, maybe the 70s, movies came out limited just to kind of test the waters. And then when they were they had word of mouth, they went wide. Now movies open, they open wide all the time. Just boom, they're wide. Right. The only ones that open limited now are pretty much the Oscar bait movies. Pretty much. Or like an art house film and like a movie like, you know, They Shall Not Grow Old. That opened really limited, and people wanted to see it, so they went a little bit more wide. You know, like stuff right, like that. Yeah. 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 So... Um, so Mr. Mom had come out limited, and then 20th Century Fox like, you know what, let's, we're going to make this the big hit of the summer, and obviously it was. It's, it's, a, it's a funny movie. So then, uh, excuse me, Star Chamber was pulled back and forgotten. <laughs> so it's, it's has an $8 million budget. It made $5.5 million total, $2 million opening weekend, which it's a, it's a flop. And if you compare, what I actually did was, I, didn't, I should have done this for the other movies we, we, we uh, went through, but... I actually put this through to see like what is five point five million oh, in today's time. Yeah. So it's like fifteen million. That's what it that's what it made total, which is a complete flop. Yep. Rated R, one hour and forty nine minutes. We talked about it's a crime, drama, mystery. Directed by Peter Hyams, who has done Time Cop, which is I like that movie. It's like not Time great. Cop. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you it's awesome because I oh I, every time I think about Time Cop, I always think about the effect of Ron Silver being thrown into himself and it's just so bad <laughs> it's I can't it's, uh, when he's all like morphing into himself and Time Clock's a great schlocky ho- action it is movie. It's, and it's it, great I mean it's got automated cars which were almost there so I mean you know it, it didn't know what it was talking about uh, Capricorn One which I don't you probably have not seen I've heard of it but yeah, yeah I not it, seen that, it. that's a pretty good movie and the movie that <laughs> that our friend Greg wants us to do constantly uh, 2010 he, I, he, I do like it. That's okay, cool. listen, I'm, it's not on the list. So right now, so we're not doing it. <laughs> this was also written by uh, Peter Himes and Roderick Taylor. This is his debut. Taylor did, um, he's done a lot of movies like this. Do you remember The Brave One? Yes. With Jodie Foster? Yeah. He did that. He wrote that one. But this is his first movie that he wrote. So you talked about Michael Douglas, Hal Holbrook, Yafet Kodo, Sharon Gless, and James Seeking are, are probably the main cast members. Um, Kodo actually is is... A big part of the story, which I wish she was bigger. That's pretty much the facts, production facts. I think I already went through why it was forgotten. I mean, I, I mean that's a pretty big. It flopped, and yep. it's a. It was in the. It came out at the wrong time. It was a. It was a bad release date. It, it, that's a movie that this movie would probably be. What? Um, I don't want to say it's Oscar bait, but it's probably like a. October, November release. I'm maybe? thinking October. It's like a more of a fall movie. Like it's it's an adult film. It's not like you're not going to have the teenagers go to see this. It's going to be like a more older audience. I'm trying to think about it if it was released now. I'm thinking October. I'm thinking... Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking HBO limited series as well. Like six, <laughs> oh, like six, five or six. That works. That I've works. Got, I've got some notes. Ooh, okay. <laughs> well, let me ask you off the top because I think I okay. always ask you this because yeah. of a movie that you have never seen that I have seen. Yes. Did you like this movie? Yes. Okay, excellent. Oh, <laughs> you liked it. All right. <laughs> 
So I guess before we get into it, I want to talk about the whole reference to the title. So the Star Chamber is the name – because they never actually refer to the – when the judges are together – and he calls. They never actually refer to themselves as a star. I chamber. noticed. I was a little disappointed in that. Well, I was waiting for them to drop the title in. <laughs> because the, the the title of the movie comes from. So in 1847, King Henry the created this kind of court. This court that was basically these judges would find they would they have these nine judges and they would find justice that the courts of that time did not could not do. And they would and they and they met in this room that had stars on the ceiling. And so it was called the Star Chamber. Okay. So, so this kind, this is where the title comes from. That this, the same idea. They've already, you know, did this back in eighteen hundreds. I think they revisited it again. And all, and also this, this is also nicknamed the Court of Last Resort. So, which you know, it's probably a better title, but I do like Star Chamber. Yeah. But the only problem with the Star Chamber is probably another thing that has to do with why this was forgotten was, you hear the Star Chamber, you're thinking. Star Wars. Yeah. You're thinking science fiction. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like when we did Sorcerer, the same thing. Like when you when the movie Sorcerer starring um, Roy Scheider, yeah. directed by William Friedkin, which is another episode. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard it or it's going to hurt, but I think, you know, we already done it. Yeah. So that so that movie, people heard that movie and they're like, oh, this must be some kind of science fiction movie or mystical. Yeah. Same thing here with, with the Star Chamber. I, get, I think people assumed one thing and it was, it was another. Yeah. So yeah, so but yeah, so you liked it. Tell yes, me it tell me what you tell me what you liked about I guess one thing that you liked about it and we can go from there. I enjoyed the the dialogue. I enjoyed the the dialogue served its purpose to create to throw out ideas, to throw out these to make you think about, you know, what's just and what's not. Like it made you think the whole movie and I was like, Oh, I kinda like that. I like movies like that. Where the dialogue Michael Douglas poses questions that you the audience should be asking. Um, about justice, about law, about what's right and what's wrong, and that I kind of I really enjoyed that, and I it really I thought was kind of it was not riveting, but it kept me watching and it kept me going. Oh wow! When when the movie was almost over, I was like, oh wow, this movie kind of really flows. It it, it works right. well. Are you talking about the dialogue when he is invited into the court, the the Star Chamber Court, the Court of Last Resort, when he when he has that when he has that problem with the fact that he discovers that. The people that he assumed killed the kid didn't. That or, or the, you told me the beginning, the scene in the court where he's talking to, um, where Harden's talking to Caulfield um, after he's made the decision that he's going to do something about about the assassination after they, the rest of the oh, chamber okay. won. Yep. The conversation with his wife, the conversation with Doctor Lewin about his son when he visits him in the hospital or the prison rather, and when oh, he after, visits okay. him. Okay. Yep. You know, in between when he's in recess, when he tries to give him the picture of his son. Right, those kind of di- that kind of dialogue, those kind of questions that come up, and his reasoning for things. I, I like all that. Right, I actually like when he's yelling at the prosecutor when they're in chambers, and he's yelling at him. He's excuse me, he's yelling at her for like you know, damn you for putting me into this position because you couldn't do your job. Right, uh, that's good too. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was good. I also like the opening when <laughs> the beginning because the first they have the it's two trials. We'll just. The first trial where they set up where the, these first guys go free is because when they're chasing them and they the the, the scoop is part of is it's, not part of yeah, the trash yeah yeah it's like I, I I mean I'm sure back then that's probably accurate I wonder if that's still accurate now if like you know because now it's I'm pretty sure like once you put your trash to the curb it's fair game it's fair game so right. basically what happens at the beginning of the movie there's a chase they, there's this guy that's been killing elderly women and stealing their checks stealing their social security checks. 
and th- these two cops are just kind of like staking out something else and they see this guy it's like early in the morning they see this guy walking and they're like this guy doesn't look any, like what's going on here so they start chasing him and he goes into his house and he dumps the gun into the trash can and they stand at the trash can and they're like you know what do we do here you know like we can't and the guy's like no 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 let's wait till the garbage truck come the garbage truck was like down the street and picking yep. it up uh, so there was basically once it was in the the garbage truck it was Public, city property yeah. yeah but the defense lawyer argues that it's still on the scoop and the scoop once the scoop goes into the, the trash for everybody then it's part of the it's city property but once it's in the scoop it's still the, his client had a reasonable right to his uh, privacy right but I think now that's it's once it's to the curb but regardless, that's you know, I want to tell you what one of the things I liked is I liked that, and this is going to sound weird, but I liked that I was felt like I was watching a film, like I loved the Foley work, like I loved like when they're running and you just it's clear that there's somebody in a studio running on <laughs> cement and like it's clear that like when they're when they're chasing when they're going up and just do, 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 do. like I and I know that like and at the end when he's in the warehouse and he's walking and you hear the crackle of the oh yep you, you hear the crackle of his feet on like the cement and the, I I just love that I, I mean cuz it's just like yeah all right like I just picture the guy in studio doing it all or the woman doing it all and I'm just like Rock on! I'm, I'm I'm into that. I I like the way it looked. I liked the way it was. I like the way it was blocked in terms of like where characters are. Like I like the sh- the the actual image. Now the image, I'm gonna get into a little. I'm gonna get into a little filmmaking thing here. Ooh. So, this was shot um, right. Widescreen movies now are shot two three five or two three nine. Usually two three five, and that's with the black bars. For people that don't understand that when you're watching a movie, the black bars that are on top and the bottom of the screen. So it's a wider screen. This was shot 220. And that's primarily, it's called, it was shot an aspect of 220, 221, with 220 basically, which is called, back then, it's called Todd AO, which is what they shoot for 70 millimeter film prints. But, but for some reason, this was shot in 35 millimeter, which I'm not really, I'm not really that well versed in this. Mm hmm. But going through it, so this was shot wider, and you can tell because when you're watching it, you're not watching it at 220. You're watching at 235. And if you look on the edges of the image, especially when they're in, when, when there's wide shots, especially when they're in the, you can definitely see it when they're the nine judge. They have the nine guys at the table, and they're and they're, they got the long shot of all that. Yeah. The image bows on the left and right. It starts to curve. As soon as I saw that, I was like. This is really wide. So immediately, I was like, I need to know what the actual aspect ratio of this, because it's not 235, which, again, I like. Like, I, like I, I, would want to, I actually would want to see this movie in its original format. I don't care how thick the black bars are. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. I, I've always hated when you know a movie is widescreen, and they make it flat. They make it 185 instead of 235, and the, the one... The one uh, example of that that I always talk about is in Die Hard. When they're at the doors, the SWAT team is cut, trying to cut through the doors. Mm-hmm. And you don't see, you just see you're waiting and you don't see the gun. You see the gun coming across. Like there's like someone hands the gun off to somebody else. And you don't see that. You don't see that in the 185 print. You don't see that when, it's, when they flatten the image. And it's like that's, I mean that, that's a cool moment. I hate when movies are not in their original format. Not that I didn't hate the Star Chamber because I was watching it 235, yeah. but I do would like to see this in its original format just to kind of see it as it was meant to be seen. Yeah. So, th- so that coupled with, I liked how, I liked the lighting. 
I enjoyed how like it's like especially like it's tough to make LA I don't want to say pleasant looking cuz it's not it, it, it's it's tough to give it a look yeah. but I think in this movie especially in the beginning when they're in the morning and they get the morning sun and, and especially when they're in the court it's very warm that 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 like let that southern LA southern Cal- excuse me southern California warm sun yes. like that kind of thing like I definitely felt that and then at the end when they're in the warehouse and all the shadows and all the cool you know, crisp white, you know, light that's coming through, like all that stuff is great too. There's just so much about this movie that I like from a filmmaking perspective that I dug, not just the story. I enjoy the story, but just, just the kind of, and, and just the kind of classic style of shooting that it also is. Cause I'm a big guy of a lot of the older stuff I've done was been like, um, I do a lot of like, I'll do like dolly work, like the slow cut, the, like the, the dolly going to the left to right, you know, following care, like all that stuff. They do all that stuff here. Yeah. Which I was into. So for me, it was a big, I guess, filmmaking moment to watch this movie. And I had seen this movie already. So I was already into that kind of stuff beginning. Right. So, yeah. But like, I was very surprised about like when I watched it the other day, how well it looked. I thought the same thing. I was like, this looks more like a movie from the way it's lit and shot. It looks like a movie from maybe the later, like the late eighties. Then like right. oh, 83, this looks like more like 87, 88. Well, it's like definitely that. like, it's because like you had in the 70s, you had the, it was very, once I guess the late 60s and into the 70s, you started having zooms was, was like the big thing. Yeah. Like zooms in, zoom out. And like if for people now, if you see like a lot of the Star Trek movies do that, which is fine. That works. Like mm-hmm. they'll have the, the, the image, you know, you see the wide shot of them fighting and they zoom, they zoom into the, to the Star the Enterprise or something like that. Right. But this doesn't have that, which I kind of like. I don't mind the zoom work, but I think for this movie, if if, if this movie had that, I think th- this movie it would date this. Like I would be like, oh, okay, I, uh, that's an old movie. You know, it, it feels yeah. like. A, but but the way the movie is presented now, where it's, you know, where I'm talking, it's more of a classic style. It feels almost timeless. It feels like I'm yes. It feels like I'm watching a movie that somebody could have made today. But set it back in the eighties, and the real world locations help too. Yes, as well. Yes, that warehouse is looks like a, it, they probably shot at a warehouse. Right. The courthouse looks like a courthouse. You know, the outside street scenes aren't lit like unnaturally. They're they're lit with like especially that morning scene, like you were talking about the morning light. It it looks like it's early morning anywhere. Like make it today, you just have a guy walking with a cell phone, but it's it's a clean, crisp picture. Mm-hmm. With no unnatural lighting, trying to make like a, a weird style to it, kind of like French Connection almost. The morning scene kind of seemed that kind of gray. Oh, when they're when they're chasing this when he's when Santa chasing at when the he's beginning. when he's dressed as Santa Claus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, well, it's funny you mentioned the lighting because so Peter Himes is also a cinematographer, director of photography. Um, it depends, on, I guess it's however you want to be called. Okay, and so he, I know that there was some issue with this movie where he was he was doing some of that. And I guess there were, he got sued by uh, one of the unions because he was saying he was doing a lot of the work of his cinematographer at the time. But he, for other movies, he was primarily a director of photography for a lot of the stuff that he's done. But for this movie, I guess they made a bunch of different lighting uh, packages, lighting innovations, they call them. Okay. So they have this one thing. Where, and I couldn't find anything but what it was called and kind of what it did. So it was called – they nicknamed it the Big Fox Light, which is because it's 20th Century Fox, and it's made of aluminum. So there's it it it's able to produce 18 million candle power units. Okay. And it's supposed to you use it just basically light everything. It's 11 by 11 feet, and it, it's supposed to eliminate any shadows during daytime shooting. So basically, they made this thing where they just lit the whole 
scene, lit right. the whole image. And, you know, that's probably what you're that's, talking that's about. That's exactly right. what I'm talking about, how there's no shadow work that tries to, like, make it a feel. It's right. It's more real, yeah. Yeah, and that's probably, I, I think, obviously, the way we both respond to it was successful. Yes. Yeah, agreed. So you like the dialogue, you like the look. I like the dialogue, I like the look. Although the action happens, I think, a little too late. I like the action. I like that when he goes to stop the assassin, all of it's not... Because when I the first time I watched Star Chamber, not the first time, this is my first time. <laughs> I, the first time when we decided we were going to watch it, I watched the original trailer on YouTube. Um, and the old school trailer presents it as an action thriller. Yeah. Um, which I didn't mind that it wasn't. But I was like, watching the movie, I was like, well, if this devolves at the end into this action thriller, it's yeah. not going to really work. If Michael Douglas is always, all of a sudden fighting the assassin yeah. uh, hand-to-hand. I was like, this is going to yeah, He's a judge. Ruin the, yeah. <laughs> and he is. He's, he even says, like, when he's got the, uh, the, the ether. ether in his hand, he's like, I am scared shitless right now. And, like, <laughs> he, he admits, like, he's not, he's not going to fight these two guys, these two criminals. Right. And they're beating the crap out of him, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. like, I really like that, that mm-hmm. end scene. I really like the tense, tenseness. And one thing, it's kind of stupid, but I like the fact that even at the beginning of the movie and at the end, anytime they're running... I mean, A, you like the Foley work. Oh, it's great. They're also running. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Which, even today, there's so many scenes where somebody's supposed to run in a movie. And I think we talked about this with another movie that you shot with an actor who couldn't really... Oh, yeah. So, like, side note. <laughs> so, we were going to do this movie called... Oh, man. Oh, no. We were doing a web series. It was going to be Purebred, actually. And it was supposed to be like... This guy was supposed to be like a spy. He was supposed to be like this, like... a set. An, not an assassin, but just basically a guy who's like supposed to be tactical. And so we're like, okay, I need you to run across. You're going to run from this car to that car or whatever. And, and he runs and he like, he was like, he wasn't running. He was like, it like it, I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't running. And it, it was like someone who never knew how to run and <laughs> someone who maybe just wasn't not an athlete, athlete or just, I don't know. And like, I was like, okay, can you try it again? Yeah, sure. No problem. Does it again. And I'm just like, can you do it like where you're pumping your arms or like, like it was, it, it got to the point where I was just like, all right, forget it. Then like cut it. And then we, that, that never, that never, you'll never see that movie. <laughs> that footage is gone. I think I deleted it. So like that, we never did it again. We never did the web series and it, for a variety of reasons, not because that guy, that guy couldn't run, but he just, yeah, it's exactly. It's, it's, it's just kind of like when you watch a sports movie and they clearly can't play the sport that they're in and they try to make them be like fantastic. Yeah. I hate that. I hate when you watch somebody go up and they're like this world-class golfer and they can't swing the club right. It's terrible. So, yeah. So, yeah, they, they actually run in this film and I'm like, oh, man, they're actually running. The cameraman's keeping up with them or it's just a shot where the cameraman doesn't need to and I really like that. A lot of movies now, which I don't like, an overuse of like the Bourne series with that kind of just quick cuts to make you seem like they're fighting even though it's one move at a time. I think it takes away from the action of showing a, a fight completely. But the one thing that, that works for it is running. You can fake running a little better when you do that. Yeah. That makes you appreciate what Tom yeah. Cruise does. But Yeah, exactly. Other than Tom Cruise, they, they I, I don't know if that's what the guy in your web series was doing, but they're floating. They're kind of like gliding and, and running he, slowly. He was, and they're just yeah. like, he was doing nothing that was any kind of relationship, any kind of running. It yeah. was not running. It was like uh, skipping almost. Right. It's almost like, it really takes you out of it. When they're actually chasing each other, it gives us intensity to the moment. When he's running at the, in the morning and he runs down that front lawn that's sloped. The cops? When, yeah, oh, yeah, the, oh, the he, bad guy? The yeah, bad guy, yeah. he falls, and yeah, then the oh, cops yeah. do it, and he just slides down. They're actually running at full. They're actually pushing themselves to do that. And it's... Right, well, that's, that, it, that's it probably a stunt guy. 
Probably, which is but, fine. But they're probably like, listen, you got to come down the hill and crash right into this trash. Okay, like, yeah, go do it. Yeah, all right, and then run down the sidewalk. All right, full speed. Don't, don't hold back. And that's what stunt guys want to do. They want to do that stuff. Like right. that stuff's fun. Like you know, that's not asking them to jump off a cliff and you know, you know, almost hurt themselves. Hit, hit eighty branches on the way yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. Like oh. Larry Hankin when he's running and on the sidewalk as Detective uh, Kenneth Wigan. Um, <laughs> even he's running in the shots where he's running. Yeah. And I, I really like that. It's 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 a little thing. It's a small thing, but it's it's realistic, and you you you're watching it, and you believe that it's happening. Right. And I think that that sometimes some modern films, some big time budget studio films, it's it's there's a level of it's not real, and it and it pulls you out. I don't care how fantastical it is. I mean, you want to see that. You know, you want to see your actors. You want to see your action heroes actually doing something not right. just kind of you know not almost half-assing it but just just not doing what you think they should be doing running all i want you to do is actually <laughs> run in a run scene don't jog a good chase <laughs> i can tell you what you could do a good chase scene you could just you could do like a short film for like a five minute and it's just a chase and you can make it riveting and and good i think it's funny because you did do a short running film what the mimes <laughs> yeah. uh, not, not just that the hero as well yeah. So yeah. So I did this short, the hero. <laughs> so, but yeah. But, but you can do that. You can do an entire. If you do it well, and you have, and you, and everyone's running around and doing it, it still works. Yeah. It, you know, you don't. It, it's you could. There's definitely room for it. I think now. I think people should just go do a running scene, will you, people? <laughs> um, one of the questions I always had about this movie is how Holbrook always old because every time I see him in something, I, I mean, I need to go back and watch something of him when he was younger. He's always old, and Larry Hankin is always old. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was looking at him. I was like, this is 1980. He looks exactly the same in the movies he's in like now. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, so we haven't talked about, because um, this will probably go into some of the things I wished was a little better, or kind of, I don't know, I wish I was a little better, but uh, we haven't talked about Yafet Koto, who is really good in this. He's, and yes. I kind of wanted... I kind of wanted him to be more involved with the stuff with Harden. Like I wait, like when Harden goes and goes to the bar and sits with him, and that's like the last half hour of the movie. Like that's it, and then he shows up at the end and saves his ass. Right. You know, that's like I. I thought that. I mean, maybe I'm asking for a movie to be a little longer than at that point, but I thought that there could have. I thought there would have been more stuff between Lowe's and Harden. Lowe's is Coda's character. Um, in terms of helping him bring down the star chamber, bring down what, you know, stop this, these two from getting murdered. I, I don't know. I just, I, cause they, cause they have such a, there's a, there's a great line in the, there's a great line in that scene where Kodo tells him, you know, he's basically saying like, why are you coming to me? Cause he's telling, he's trying to ask him where the two guys are that he has already set for death. Right. And he wants to know where they are. He tells him they're at this warehouse, and he's like, and he he keeps asking him, "Why do you want to know?" He's like, "I just want to know." And like, he doesn't tell him, and he's just like, but he knows something is up. And he tells him, he's like, he tells him that you know he he's a plotter. He's you know, and he says the advantage of a plotter is you know we're not fast, we're persistent, and that's why you know because he because he's just he's discussing how they solve the child murders because basically these two guys that Harden thought did it that they got away from because they basically took they. They basically pull these guys over in a van. There's a bloody. Sh- they find this. Find this child killed. He's missing a shoe. They pull these two guys over in a van. They find the bloody shoe in the back. But the re- the search was illegal. 
for 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 some reason I can't remember the reason right now because I guess they they smelled weed but it wasn't really right there was conflicting whether they smelled it and you couldn't he didn't really, really have a warrant right. so he looked in he wasn't visible from the outside right. of the van he had to look in to see the shoe so they see the shoe these guys get brought into brought in trial they did they get, they get away with it supposedly then as right after Harden goes to the star chamber to the court and says like these plead you know presents his case and they all will go around guilty, guilty, guilty. They set it in motion. These two are going to die by the hands of this assassin that they don't ever know. Uh, you know. They never talk about how they contact him, but they never know who he is. He doesn't know who they are. So they, a- after they, they sentence these two for death, then you discover that this, they, they have the scene where they, the guy who's robbing the car, stealing the cars, they catch him flowers. Flowers, yep. And he tells about how he had to do a job for these three guys that they wanted him to steal a van so that the owners didn't even know it was stolen and bring it back and they would never know they took it and they just needed it for a couple hours. And you find out that these three guys are into, which I find funny because Flower goes, I didn't know what these guys were going to do. I didn't know what these guys were going to do. I didn't know they were going to kill a kid. But then he's like, you know, they're into child porn and stuff yeah. like that. But, but you know what they're into. <laughs> so, but, so Flowers is probably going away too. So, uh, <laughs> so, they, so they they basically find out that Kodo finds these guys. They you know they find the right guys, and that's what Harden's when he comes to this conversation. Flash back to the, forward to this conversation. Harden's like you know now you know that these are the guys, and that's when he gives the line you know I'm a plotter. You know yeah. we're not fast, we're persistent. You know we keep on it. He's and he's basically like, you're not gonna throw this one out, are you? Too like he tells him, but he obviously knows Kodo obviously knows something's up, so he follows him and he saves his ass at the end. I just wanted more of them together. I wanted them like because at the end when they're sitting in the car because at the end of the movie, you hear. The, the court has convened again and someone's presenting a case conceivably without Harden there. Mm-hmm. So now they're eight, not nine. And you go, you, you, you come out of the house, you come out of the window, you see them in the window, you, you pull back, you go over and they're in the car listening to the tape conversation of them talking. So basically kind of getting them on tape. Yeah. I kind of, I forgot the ending. I was hoping that the ending was going to be, they're going to pull back and you just see, Cop cars coming down. That's what I was yeah, expecting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to arrest them because it's just—it's kind of like, yeah, I get it. You're going to catch them, but it's kind of not—that's not climactic enough at the end for that. I don't know. I agree, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, I wanted more of them together. I wanted them. I, I wanted more of them together, and I wanted the other thing that was the beginning. The whole reason that Harden has the option to come into this court is because that guy kills himself. That judge kills himself at his own, shoots himself right. in the bathroom. Yep. They never explain why. They never explain why he did it. They never talk about you know, like what was bothering him. Uh, clearly, obviously, we're just going to assume that he didn't like the fact that he was you know, in this. people. Right. He's the only one. These other eight guys are all cool with it, or, and women too. They're all cool with what they're doing. Nobody has any reservations. Yeah. When, when Harden talks about how, when he starts talking about how they need to stop this you know, listen, we got to stop this. I made a mistake. This, this is just random guy that is not, nobody has like a huge monologue about like, about like, you know, who gives you the right. It's like, yeah. who's this guy? Like, so it, it, it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I just wanted, I would want more of the intricacies of the star chamber of the court of last resort, how they contact this guy, who thought of, is it Hal Holbrook, the guy who runs it? Cause he, you know, he's his friend. He keeps calling him buddy, but like, you know, does he does he tell the assassin to kill him too? Like you know, like stuff like that. Like I, I, I there was I thought there was always there was more there. There could be more there. Mm-hmm. And that's just maybe that's just me being like I wanted more. It's not taking away from the movie. The movie I still enjoy the movie, but I think I just wanted more. I get that. 
Um, that's one of my, <clears throat> really my only uh, complaint about the movie was that I think it just ends. I don't necessarily need more about the Star Chamber. I don't need to know where the individual judges come from, but that would have helped. But I had the same things about the end. It's I wanted to know, once he reaches you know, the decision, I'm going to stop these guys, he gets to the warehouse. I, I paused it. I wanted to see how much time was left in the movie. It was, it was 15 <laughs> minutes left, and you got to figure, all right, at least you know four or five is the credits. The 10 minutes of the movie left already. Yeah. And it's like, all right, so everything's going to happen at the end. We're going to wrap this up in 10 minutes. You know, the anticlimactic part where he's just listening on the tape. If the police arrested him, at least that would put an end cap on it. You know, the cop is following uh, Harden and then all of a sudden gets called away to a different case. Yeah. And so we don't see, like, there could have we could have followed him. Mm. It just seems to be like, all right, we have to wrap this up. The movie's only 110 minutes. You go a little longer. 110? 110? No, it's... it's um, no, I, you're right. I'm sorry. It's 110 minutes. Yeah. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Apologies. movie's only 110... <laughs> Only 110 minutes, so you can add another. T- you know, I think another 10 to 15 minutes of the movie would help. It, and it's a political. It's like a thriller, so you can. It's excusable to be a little it's long. It's interesting you say political because I think it's a disservice to when I have to put it on Amazon and the poster frame is him with a gun and the American flag and the American flag <laughs> behind him. And when does he ever hold a gun in the movie? Never. And what's with the flag? Uh, what does that mean? I mean, like, what is like? It's. That's not good. Like, that's not... You want people to discover this movie? I, I get it. I get you're trying to sell people on something. But as right. soon as they watch this movie, they're not going to like it because you're promising them something that it's not. Like, I see that when he's got the gun and he's got the flag behind him. Like, like it's some kind of political assassination thriller that Michael Douglas is a Secret Service agent and he's going to go, like, kill somebody. Uh, it's funny you should say that because on Xbox, the other uh, recommended title was... Oh, man. What's, what's that Clint Eastwood one? <laughs> oh, In the Line of Fire? Yes. And it's the same poster. It's the same cover for the uh, movie. And I'm like, it's false advertising. That, 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 that does not help a movie try to find another audience. And I'll tell you what about that. This movie is ripe for a sequel, uh, remake. Absolutely. And I read, because I, I was like, this movie should be remade. Because the story is relatable to, to today. It's always it's relatable to any modern time. Right. And in every modern time, everyone thinks crime is, is, is terrible. Hell, the Star Chamber is based on something from the 1800s, so. Right. <laughs> the, world's, the world's going to hell, all that stuff. Every, every time, every generation feels that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong. It's just every generation feels that way. So this movie is ripe for a remake. And I read that Frank Spotnitz, who did, uh, who was a writer and executive producer on The X-Files, was going to do this was was developing this like seven years ago six seven years ago with FX but never never happened but I mean I don't want but here's again here's again FX so you were going to do a series I don't want a series give me a movie give me uh, you know what you said you would what you were saying before like a five episode limited series a limited a limited series (laughs) a mini a mini series in the truest sense like how they used to be something like HBO does uh, every once in a while you know you got four or five episodes it's an extended movie essentially TNT has done that a couple times they've had limited with uh, I Am The Night and uh, no AMC did the the terror right yes terror was more of an actual series that was was like 12 episodes though right terror was six I watched it I don't think it was 12 But yeah, but something shorter like that. That way you can really get into the into the aspect of it. You can maybe even focus on a couple of the judges and how they got there. Which, yeah. speaking of the judges, <laughs> did you notice one of them? Nope. Was I'll tell you right now, I did not notice. Michael Ensign, the guy who runs the hotel in Ghostbusters. 
Oh, and you know what? Now I do, yes. Not only that, he is wearing pretty much the exact same suit. That's his the look. The exact same red bow tie and everything. I'm like, holy shit, that's, that's the guy from Ghostbusters. When, um... When was Ghostbusters? 84, right? I think 84. So what, like, they, so this was probably shot in 82. Yeah, maybe that was his look. Maybe that was the look on his uh, headshot. <laughs> hey, guys, I got to go across the street. I got to shoot something else real quick. I I'll saw right you back. in a movie a couple years ago, and you had this look on you, Star Chamber. Yeah, I want that same look for this. <laughs> sure, he pulls his shirt off. He's already got the bow tie going. Uh, yeah, but I have the same, that third act, which a lot of movies, like we, we've discussed I think more than a few times already so in this po- uh, podcast that movies have third act issues all the time and this one big time your third act is 2% of the movie if mm-hmm. your third act happens in the last five minutes and you don't really get a chance to wrap everything up right and the policeman comes like the, the policeman assassin is he a cop in real life is he not you don't really know that I yeah, was curious it, about that yeah yeah he just comes in shoots the guys goes to turn around shoot Michael Douglas Michael Douglas the cowers get mm-hmm. the assassin gets shot Mm-hmm. All right, now let's go over to your judges. Mike, first of all, what's going to happen to Judge Harden, your main character? What happened? Oh, he he should be in jail. Is he going to jail? Is he copping a plea be- deal? Well, technically, these two were killed, and he they were killed because he put the he exactly. put it in order. Yeah, so so like, he you know. he should be he, he well he's got to be disbarred. He's not going to be a judge anymore. Yeah. No, I yeah, agreed. Like that's the thing. Like it's there's a lot of culpability to towards him for him, and mm-hmm. like this was his first. Like he's brought in. He has he 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 votes on a couple. He votes uh, on like one of the things. Which I do like that the first one he's further away and he's not even looking. Yeah. The second one he's midway yeah, in yeah, the chamber yeah. and listening. And the, the last one is he's the head of the chamber. Right. I like that progression. Right. Uh, so, but he's definitely got culpability and he's oh, definitely absolutely. in trouble. Yeah. Now, he shouldn't like it's not like it's going to be like hey thanks man thanks for telling us but those guys died those guys died because he put an he put an order yeah. he put this he presented a case they voted on it he's going to be at least charged with manslaughter and as far as we know it's at least four murders that he was part of right and he agreed to kill those other people absolutely yeah. and they I, you see one of them right you see two of them Does well do- I don't know if it's two of Michael du- two of Harden's cases right you see the guy. With no, we shooting. The, what's clearly he's shooting some kind of red dye on him, right? Because he's got no shirt on, which is fine. And I'm then fine you with get that. the guy getting the who buys the liquor bottle and goes to his hotel room. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I don't know if those are both the Harden cases. I don't. I oh, remember. like well, you if he voted on them, right? One right. of them he definitely did. I don't remember if the other one was like before he comes into the chamber or not. Yeah, I think what we're talking about is in terms of like one of the things that kind of like stuck out for us was that. The story is is missing elements. Like I think, like this kind of movie is focusing on the message rather than the characters, right? Which I like the message, and I like that they explore the message. But at the, your third act should be to wrap up the characters. Well, you're there, but you're there. You're you're involved in the story because you're involved with the characters in the story. Mm-hmm. And when you ignore them and just try to focus on what your message of your film is, that's fine if you want to do that. But you still have to give service to your characters. And whatever the best do, the best don't do that. Then nobody's perfect, and I'm not criticizing the the filmmakers or the writers of this movie because it's extremely hard to do all this. But you know, I just think that the characters could have used a little bit more. And I'm and me wanting to have more with the characters, me wanting um, Lowe's and Harden to be working together more, me wanting all that is because I'm into that. I'm into the characters that they've created. Right. The only character that I don't like is Sharon Gless is, is the wife. Because she's just completely not used. Like, and 
it's the early eighties. It's, it's old time filmmaking. It's the, you know, she's the wife and it's just like, right. what are you there for? I mean, she, she does, this is like her first, I guess her first big film, but she's just there to be like, to, for, so that Harden, Michael Douglas's character can just complain and she's there to listen and be his like, so would you want to drink? Oh honey, let's have some witty banter. It's like, can, can you give her more to do please? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't have her there at all. Don't cast a big name actress if you're not going to give her anything to do. I thought the same with the kids that well, are just playing the video games. One of them is his kids, though. One of them is, uh, I think, is one of them is Douglas's kids, um, or both of them. I don't know which one. He doesn't really. I mean, he does at one point. He finally shouts out, you know, that because the same age as my son. True. That could have been used to a more dramatic effect. I think the fact that he has children and this is affecting children, mm-hmm. or I'm on the star chamber now. What about my children? And mm-hmm. like when I, like the the chamber doesn't bring that up. You know, then go well. You're going to be, you know. We're all going to go to jail. You're going to go to jail. No children. Like, they don't bring up that at all. And it's like, why have, why have children? The same reason as why have a wife. At least she has some dialogue. No, I know. I just, you know, I just, I, I want to, uh, if somebody's, if somebody's on, on screen and. There needs to be a reason for that. Right. And I, I, I thought like, you're just here to, so we, I, he can, he can sit and piss and moan about his, how all the choices he makes are wrong and. And then you have that one scene when you're in, he's in bed and he's, he's smoking, which he smokes a lot in this movie. And she's like, oh, tell me. It's like, just come on. Give her give, give her something. Give Sharon Glass something else to do. Give her more. more st- I, I want more. I mean, anything that she does is going to help the, the main character. Hmm. But what, what are you going to do? It's the early 80s and, you know, men suck. So <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie is good and I liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it absolutely. Needs- 10, 15 minutes more movie. I, I just think we want rare, more. I, think. Yeah. I think we want more because we like it so much. And I think that uh, having more, that's why I think it's good. For, I think it's ripe for a remake because you can set it now. Story's relevant. You can work, you can build the characters a little bit more. I think you have to bring the star chamber in. They have to be involved in it in the beginning a little bit more in terms of in Harden's life. Like, you know what I mean? He should learn about it early and he should struggle with going on. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're going to make him, the hero, mm-hmm. he can't, he can't be somebody who is going to be in trouble with the law at the end. You know what I mean? Like he has to, he's got to, I guess, or or he has to understand the consequences and accept them. There, yeah, right, right. Your consequences for him, there are none. Right at the end. Right. You just have to assume. And almost, it's almost like you know, you know. I mean, we're going to do this again. We're going to get into like what well, I should have done. But it's almost like I almost want you want him with his with his family at home. I almost want something where he talks to his children and he discusses about being uh, an honest person, being a good person, following the law. And like, almost like the whole reason that like he breaks down at the end and he turns against the star chambers because he has broken what he, the very thing he told his family. And then that's the way you can have your family influence your character. And that's the way you can bring emotion to him at home rather than just him going home to bitch and complain about shit. And look at his kids like he's mad that they're playing Asteroids. Were they playing Asteroids? Um, they're playing Can't Pac-Man remember. in one scene for sure. Right. But I think they were playing Asteroids at the first. But either way, <laughs> he just comes in, he looks at him like, oh, fucking video games. And then turns around. It's like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're only, you're probably using the only TV in the house. <laughs> probably. But <laughs> it's like, does, uh, explain that. You don't, they don't use that other than he's mad they're playing. Like, is that supposed to be a statement? Is that the director mad that his kids were playing video games all the time? It's probably just a, it's probably just a reflection of the times. It's the early 80s. That's when everything started. Know, home yeah, video entertainment. Yeah, home, home. 
uh, video games and stuff like that. You're, you're at least what you're proposing gives the kids something to do other than just. It just that. it makes the family it makes the the family environment more uh, have more of an impact on him in, right. ter- in terms of not not just the fact that he'll you, he's supposed to say it. I have kids his age, but show it. Don't have you know what I mean? Show yeah. the impact. Make him and he never engages with his children, as you said. He never really truly engages with his wife. He just talks, and she just offers him advice. And you know, it, so it's there's, there's you didn't even have to have any of this stuff at home. He could have been single. He could, or he could have been estranged. Somebody who like you know maybe he sees his kids because they're having trouble. Well, now whatever. you make the kids part of the story again. Well, there you go. And that's still more. But again, still more in the story than they are now. But again, I, I mean, we're 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 going down a road. We're going on a path where just basically like this is how we redo this movie, and that's not what we want to do. No. This movie's good. I like this movie. This movie's something that was forgotten for the fact that it came out in the summer and it shouldn't have. Uh, it got pulled. The fact that it's not a science fiction movie, probably people <laughs> thought it was, and the fact that the stupid box art cover has him with a gun in his hand and the flag in the back. But is that the original box art? I know it looks cover? like it's an update. Yeah, and that's exactly. fine. I don't, you know, the original poster is this like shadowy, like it's it's this black and white, almost black and white. Well, I think it is black and white poster where he's like sta- he's it's behind him. He's standing at the table, long table, and everyone there's faceless men on either side of him, and it's, it's the, where they're it's the, the star chamber, yeah. and he's just like sitting there, like like his hands out, and he's like he's presented his case. That's what it is. It's like the 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 tagline. I. Th- think is they are free to work no what is this like they have committed every crime in the book yet you know what does it say yet the oh they have committed every crime in the book yet the law cannot touch them they are free to walk the streets that's the tagline what Good. yeah exactly so what's this about now yeah i, I yeah so like I like the Court of Last Resort. That should have been the tagline. Court of Last Resort. The Star Chamber of the Court of Last Resort. But that's the original poster. Does that post that that poster, the way I've described that poster, and I'm looking at it right now, that's a fall movie. That's not a that's not a summer movie. Yeah. Right. Uh, the trailer doesn't do it any justice because you present it as an action film. Right. And you know what's funny? What else is not what else is funny, but like this I talked about it earlier. Like this movie came out when it was this movie's early eighties, so during the early eighties they had like this big Boon of like vigilante movies, but you're talking like Death Wishes, like all the Death Wishes. Those are pretty much they're crime movies, but they're he's doing something. They're, they're right. action they're movies, action films. right? Uh, the Exterminator movies, which I have never seen. I've seen trailers, and they don't look great. Uh, <laughs> so, but like you know, but there's movies that came out that were just about like vigilante justice, but mm-hmm. that that usually implies that one guy's going out and killing people or or fighting crime in his own way. Right. This is not what the Star Chamber's doing. They're they're basically it's more of like powerful men putting things in motion. Yes. You know, and and you know, maybe that 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 I can see why that's a turnoff for some other people too cuz it's like you know, do I really want to see this movie where powerful guys are deciding who dies and who doesn't? So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why it's a forgotten film, but it's good and I think yes. people should should revisit it and and try to catch it as much as possible. And Michael Douglas is a great actor, so he's very good in this. Yeah. Um even if the end is only five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we both think that you, we should revisit the movie. Absolutely. And remake and, it. And, and Oh, yeah. Definitely remake it. <laughs> reboot it. Restart it. I think this is the most, of the ones we've done so far, this is the most rebootable of all of the uh, films. It's remake. old. Yeah. I mean, it's like, what, 83? So we're talking, holy crap, that's 35 years old, 36? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It's definitely doable. And you and I tell you right now, redo it, remake it, you know, rewrite it a little. Cast Michael Douglas as the Hal Holbrook character. Oh, yeah. There you go. And then get yourself, you know, get, I mean, because in this movie, I think he's like in his like late 30s, maybe early 40s. Like he's young. He's a judge. He's a young judge. Yeah. So get, like, yeah, get, get somebody else, get somebody who can do it, maybe like a Ryan Gosling or something like that. And although, eh, yeah, you could do that. And then go, go, to, go to work. Get, get going. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we both agree we like it. Why don't we, uh, Wrap it up with a little plug action. All right, um, I'll go. I think I, I, because you know you're so long, so I, I, <laughs> I should go first. Uh, I, I mean, I got nothing. Go, go read my book. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I got like I said, I talked about before. I've got two books: um, Adam Parker and the Radioactive Scout, and Adam Parker and the High School Bully. These are both like uh, the premise of these books are if Encyclopedia Brown. If anyone remembers, he was a kid detective back in the day, written by Don, Donald Sobel. Uh, any South crime is a little hometown, so I imagine like he grows up and he doesn't like he doesn't like being that person anymore. So he grows up. This is what the Adam Parker series is. The Adam Parker used to be a kid detective, grows up to become an adult who rejected that, but also an adult who is flawed, and uh, he's trying to find his own way. And and basically, these are his adventures now. So the first book dealt with Radioactive Scout. Active Scout dealt with him coming back home to his town uh, of Hilldale, and then comes back home and, and kind of gets wrapped up in something. And the second book deals with the high school bully book deals with somebody from his past who he has wronged is coming back to ruin his life. Um, so I'm, this is a series of books that I've started. Um, and I've, I have a, uh, compendium to, <coughs> excuse me, I have a compendium to the, this book series that I'm writing now. That's kind of like, uh, I introduce a town in the second book, a town of Brookville where like, like there's like supernatural weird happenings that happen in this town. And I'm going to, I'm writing like a series of short stories based in that town. Hopefully, That'll be the third book that I have coming out. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'm doing. I'm just writing nose to the grindstone. Right, right, right. Cool. And I have this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, I'm Mike Butler. And I have two other podcasts. I have Two Player Bros, a podcast by two brothers who play way too many video games. So you can join me and my brother Alex as we discuss all things video games on all systems. And I've also got Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise where we talk about we crack open a beer and we uh, talk about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. And both of those are available now wherever podcasts can be found. That is Two Player Bros and Cracking One Open. Sweet. So uh, thanks for listening. Share. Like. Subscribe. Review. No. Review. Yeah. Drop a review. Suggest. We take suggestions. Please visit the website. ForgottenCinemaPod at gmail.com that's, is our email. That's our email. What's the website? ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com. Right. Can you tell that we're really on top of this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, please drop us a line if you've got any suggestions for any movies you'd like us to do. We mm-hmm. have a running list of about 50 or so that we have consistently keep adding to. Oh, yeah. So uh, there's no shortage of movies that have been forgotten. We'll It'll definitely... never end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Forgotten Cinema.